From the Hill Country in Texas, broadcasting worldwide, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, uh, very pleasant, good. Well, and now it's afternoon. Welcome back. And uh, we have an interesting guest for you this morning, right now, uh, John uh, Jaquish. He's a PhD, spent many years researching and developing very approaches to health, and he's an inventor of what he believes is one of the most effective bone density-building medical technologies. He's now partnered up with Tony Robbins, the famous Tony Robbins guy, and OsteoStrong for rapid clinical deployment. He's inventor of X3, which is a very interesting uh, strength training program that we're going to talk about. He's also author of the book, Weightlifting is a Waste of Time. I'm sure there's a lot of weightlifters out there saying, come on, what's not a waste of time? I, I do it all the time. Uh, Mr. Jaquish, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us the basics of why, why you wrote this book and why is weightlifting a waste of time? Let's do the, the basics. Well, weightlifting is a waste of time in the context of what I'm talking about in the book. Like, exercise is obviously not a waste of time. Uh, if people exercise versus not exercise, I would caution them. There's a lot of exercises that are counterproductive. So sometimes people have this idea, well, something is better than nothing. Not necessarily. Uh, There's a lot of things that will injure you. There's a lot of things that will make you worse off or no better off and, uh, you know, maybe beat up on your joints and give you some chronic pain. So... Uh, in general, the book is about variable resistance. Variable resistance. So variable resistance gives a much more powerful stimulus for growth. And for those people who eat the proper nutrition, they will grow muscle much faster. In fact, 26% of people, and this was uh, found in a study in 2008 by Petrella and researchers, 26% of people out there just general population cannot grow muscle at all no matter what they do with regular weights really 26 percent. that's a lot yeah uh now most other people let's say 99 percent of the population which includes that 26 percent, can only grow a very small amount of muscle uh and usually that happens in the first few weeks or months they're lifting weights and then they never change again and like do you know anybody who go to the gym for years you know year after year and they don't look any different i guess so yeah i'm not sure what you think we all know a lot of people like that vast majority of people go to the gym they never see any results and the reason is some people have it it is called a mutation but and people think that word is strange uh we all have mutations by the way um some people have a genetic predisposition to having longer tendon insertion points so that means you have a lever within your own body and when you have a lever within your own body you have an advantage when it comes to that movement so these are the people who like i went to high school with a guy and he and i started doing the same workout we were about the same size he might have been a few pounds heavier than me and a little bit shorter than me and a year later, he looked like he was a, you know, 30-year-old professional bodybuilder. And the guy just grew muscle so quickly and so easily, whereas I hardly changed at all. In fact, 
if I did change at all, it was probably just being in my teen years and getting a year older. It was like puberty. <laughs> so, like, I didn't understand why this guy had it so easy. Hmm. And the rest of us just don't. And so, as I progressed in my career in life sciences years later, developed the first OsteoStrong medical device technology, uh, realizing that there are big, just big genetic differences. The genetic differences are not hormonal. There's a lot of people guess incorrectly that some people are just like born with more testosterone. It has nothing to do with it. It has to do with a mechanical advantage within the body. And if you don't have this mutation, if you're not part of that 1% or maybe even a fraction of 1%, like there's not a lot of good data on who these people really are, but these are the people who ended up in the NFL. These are the people who were so gifted at sports. That's it. Just that became their career. And uh, for the rest of us, we can get around the genetic deficiencies we have with variable resistance. Variable resistance. So, That's what your X three is about, which is really the key right. to this, and why you don't get sore, because mm -hmm. that's crazy. I've been doing it every day, well, almost every day for six, seven weeks, and I I only had one one day where I was just a little bit sore on my upper back, and I I just sure. I probably just didn't do the right form, and just kind of went out to lunch for a moment, right? But other than that, yeah. Now, so in weightlifting, when you're lifting weights like this, you know, and you you lock out at the top, are weightlifters actually, Doctor Jaquish, are they actually tearing the muscle, and that's why the muscle gets bigger? No. They don't, they're not. No. Well, they can be. Micro tears in muscle exist, but they're actually inversely related with growth. Wow. So the whole idea you go damage the muscle and then it grows back stronger, not true. That's not true, really. That's such a prevalent yeah. idea among weightlifters. Well, hey, you know. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of people that have a lot of ideas that don't work. I mean... Well, why do, some, why do weightlifters get sore? It's, it's like socialism. It works until you run out yeah. of other people's money. Yeah, that right. Confiscated from. So, and, then, <laughs> and then you're broke. So then why do weightlifters say you, you need to do something and then you wait three or four days before you do it again uh, and they get sore? So there is, there, like, you've got to let the muscle respond. You've got to let it grow. But what you want to do is stimulate, not damage. Stimulate. Right. And so variable resistance doesn't like it's very difficult to damage a muscle with variable resistance now the ratio of variance is important setting that up correctly for those who are at a gym and just doing variable resistance like on their own they're using bands or chains to place more load at the top of the movement like the top of a squat where your legs are almost straight versus mm -hmm. at the bottom of a squat where your legs are parallel with the floor so um there's there's some calculation in that and there's some trial and error when you're setting it up on your own. My product X3 does it all for you. Uh, so you get the proper proportion of variance uh, with each movement. Explain to people what variable resistance is. Who've never so, heard of X3, which is a lot of people. Right. I'm, I'm guessing most people listen and don't necessarily watch this show. Is that right? Both. But we get both. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I'll explain it like nobody's watching. So, okay, <laughs> the top of the school, it's, it's like when I say like right here and I'm pointing at my elbow, the listeners are like, I don't know what the hell What's I'm talking, talking about. about at the top of a squat movement, you're much more powerful and it's easier. And then when you go towards the bottom, it becomes very difficult. So you're always limited when you do that move, that exercise. And this is true of all exercises, but I'm just using squat as an example. Mm-hmm. The bottom portion is limiting. Therefore, you choose a weight that you can handle in the bottom portion. But you're seven times stronger at the top. So every time you go to do it, you're really only stimulating the muscle where you have the least amount of muscle fiber involved in the movement, oh. which is the bottom. Hmm. And you also have the greatest chances of creating injury because that happens at the bottom also. So what we want is lighter on the bottom and much heavier on top and sort of an average weight in the middle. Like the weight you might actually pick would be like in the middle, like actually pick at a regular gym that might be exposed to you in the middle of variable resistance movement, but you want the top to be heavier and the bottom to be lighter. Now, then when you go through one set of the movement, you start to exhaust in the stronger ranges of motion because you're handling much more force. Like when I do a uh, squat, I'm, you know, maybe three or 400 pounds on one leg at a time. Whoa. And I, I weigh 240 pounds. So it's 240 pounds plus another 400 pounds. That's what goes on one leg. I always train one leg at a time. There's a whole bunch of reasons for that. No. Uh, you know, I, unless you're a kangaroo, if you're a human, you walk on one leg at a time. That's functional. So splitting your resources between two legs while you're doing squats makes no sense at all, unless you want to get half of the result. So <clears throat> I guess that wasn't too yeah, much. That's all right. Uh, let, let, let's talk about uh, easier to even understand would be like a curl to do the biceps, right? And we do one of the things is a curl, but it's done differently and why does right. the X3 thing the really work rather than just having a, a you know, a 25-pound weight or whatever? What's the difference? So it, it's, you want to come closest to matching what the biomechanics capabilities are. Hmm. So you have a very heavy weight at the top where the muscle is at its shortest, and you have a much lighter weight at the bottom. So you end up doing more repetitions than you otherwise would, expose the muscle to much more force Hmm. and the growth there's no damage at all like the last 60 pounds of muscle i've gained i was never sore a single day wow it's crazy yeah 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 and so the 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 cool idea with with what you have is a very nice uh strong steel bar on these bands and they're made out Mm -hmm. of what are they made out of the bands uh tree latex tree latex so and yeah, so like it's it's um the cheap bands you see on Amazon, those are made out of petroleum. So those are like, you know, like a rubber tire kind of thing. And they wear out. <laughs> okay. Like you can stretch them. The more you work out with them, the longer they get. So you think you're getting stronger, but really you're just deforming your band. Uh, these bands don't stretch out. And, not for years. And what I understand watching your videos and doing this for six weeks, that the magic is that even like on a, see if I put my thing up here, and then you do it like you're doing this, right? You know, a, um, a curl. The magic is yep. that you never take tension off of this bicep. It's always Constant on tension. there. Right. This is the really magic of the whole system, right? Yeah. It allows you 
hmm. to manage constant tension much easier than with with a regular weight and thereby triggering more results. So with a regular weight, you'd have to uh, kind of consciously, but you always got to stop at the bottom where you might lose constant tension, and that affects the muscle growth, correct? You want to try not to rest at the bottom. Like I tell people that every day, like you want to, you want to keep some tension on it, even if it's only a pound of tension at the bottom. Once you release the tension, recovery starts to begin, and you don't want recovery to start, and then you go back into the exercise and then back and forth because that doesn't give the central nervous system a very clear signal for growth. So how did you figure out that doing this uh, constant tension makes the muscles grow rather than doing the weights and you wrote the book and all that? How did you come to that conclusion? Oh, there's, there's research on everything. And like, if you read the book, there's uh, 260 pages and there's, I think 255 uh, peer-reviewed references. Like, there's a lot of info there. And a lot of these things are well understood by sports science, which is not the gym industry. Like, scientists uh, are are on top of this. They get that. People are absolutely lost. And most of the sort of representatives of different brands in fitness they don't know what they're talking about uh or they're you know they're either making it up or they're repeating something false they heard from someone else um you know like like and there's just bizarre myths out there like here's one um eating excess protein uh the protein turns into glucose and right. is stored as body fat like there is no mechanism for that. That's <laughs> bullshit. Like we have gluconeogenesis. Your body can convert it, convert protein to glucose, but it's demand driven. So you don't store body fat. It's like if your brain needs some glucose, your body makes some glucose and it goes to your brain. It doesn't just decide, oh no, we're gonna <laughs> and and the amount of carbohydrate, and this is this is probably one of the most interesting things, the amount of carbohydrates, the amount of glucose that's actually required for functions in the body is like the equivalent of just a few grams per day i've i've, I've heard so that like, yeah from the carnivore if, if people you have we've like a to. bite of a banana yeah. you're fine like your systems are running absolutely optimal you really don't need carbohydrates and your body can make the glucose if you don't ingest it but like a good quality source of protein that's what your body needs like that's real nutrition like the idea that we need to keep eating fruits and vegetables as fast as we can. We need seven servings a day. That is pure BS. It's just it's just made up. Just made up. It's made up and I think a lot of a lot of different world governments like that mm-hmm. that piece of information because it makes it really cheap to feed people. I, guess, I mean ultimately I, Yeah, I guess it could be argued too, Mr. Dr. Jaquish, that it 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 uh, promotes uh, people to be weaker. On all levels, spiritually and mentally, emotionally. Maybe governments want that too. You think? <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, nobody Google why fluoride is in water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, don't look into that. Yeah, so you've been doing this for how long? Have you been doing the variable resistance? How long? So I didn't use any variable resistance like type like. 
setting it up in the gym. First of all, most gyms won't even let you do it. They they think it's dangerous. And the piles of chains on the floor are a tripping hazard. So, you know, and the bands, people do stupid stuff with them. They hook them to racks that can be tipped over that aren't bolted to the floor kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so most gyms won't even let you do that. So I never messed around with variable resistance until I built my own prototype of X3. Within the first year, I put on 30 pounds of muscle. Wow. Second year, I put on 15. Wow. And um, I, I was like a different person. Wow. Like, I went from not looking like a guy that works out to being stopped at the grocery store. And people ask me, What do you do? Like, you know, <laughs> what NFL team I play for? Like, or, or I'm a wrestler, or like, they, if I'm an actor, or like, uh, here, here's another one I got the other day. Like, hey, do you know J- Dwayne Johnson? And I, I look at him and I'm like, why would you think I know Dwayne Johnson? And they're like, well, you kind of look like him and you're really big. So you guys probably work out together. I'm like, wow, I wouldn't have made that stretch, but okay. okay. No, I don't know Dwayne Johnson. So you actually put on 30 pounds of muscle the first year with the variable resistance. And, and keep in mind, yeah. this was after my 40th birthday. After 40, wow. Yeah, because like mm. most, most sports physiologists... Uh, I don't know if I want to say most, maybe let's say half mm-hmm. would strongly suggest that you would have trouble gaining any muscle at all after turning 40 because there's some metabolic changes that have kind of been disproven actually, but that's really the talk track out there. A lot of people over 40 are not willing to tolerate an exercise risk because lifting weights is dangerous. There's a lot of injuries associated with lifting weights. But of course, with X3, there's very little to no danger. So once people of any age get a hold of X3, they see results. And so did I. You know, I was I was over 40 and I put on 30 pounds of muscle the first year, and I was like, this is unbelievable. Like this is gonna change everything. Uh, and then I put it on an additional 15 pounds the next year. I, I put on a little bit since then, but I'm nearing my genetic potential, I believe. Um, but it's far beyond what I ever thought it was. Yeah. Like, cause I had already been lifting weights for 20 years. Hmm. So I had put on some amount of weight, maybe 10 or 15 pounds, um, over the course of 20 years. I know that sounds pathetic, but the results from weightlifting were pathetic, which is why I called the book <laughs> weightlifting is a waste of time. Pathetic. Well, you know, I'm a testimony on my 76th birthday today. And I have more muscle today, have today than I have ever had in my whole life for six weeks with this thing. That's why I wanted to have you on. Yeah. I think it's an exciting technology. I mean, I could feel it. You can feel it when you yeah. do it. I mean, you can feel the little muscles growing. It's crazy. You know. I I expect <laughs> in the next five to ten years, people are going to laugh about the idea that humans used to lift weights. Really. You think now, I think it will still be a sport of powerlifting and weightlifting, and those sports are they're fascinating to me. So I'm a fan. Yeah. But you know, a lot of what you see powerlifters do in a in a contest is not how they train. That's not how they built the muscle. That's just the contest. So I say that to some competitive powerlifters, and they agree with me. They're like, yeah, the idea of getting fit by lifting really heavy objects for really low repetitions is just stupid like they don't like doing it 
because they know they're like rolling the dice for their spinal health everything they do now when you're one of the best at the world in the world at that it's like good well, at, okay yeah. you're good get some, so the yeah. difference between variable resistance dr jaquish and the weights um just talk a little bit about it, if you can without getting too geeky of why there's less injury in the spine and the whole thing what What's the difference? Because in the positions where you're exposed to risk, the weight goes down. And so it's much easier to handle. It's much easier to maintain form and stay in safer positions. Mm -hmm. And then when the weight goes up to very high levels, you're in an optimized position. You're better equipped to handle a high load in these what I call impact ready positions positions where you'd naturally absorb high impact force mm -hmm. and the, the cool thing i like i mean it's 15 minutes a day yeah that's it i mean you're done yep. you know boom 15 minutes yep uh here's a question for you from bill um for building so more muscle do you need to track reps and times under tension to ensure progression for the next workout I don't count mine. Do you need to do that? Or? I just keep going until I can't go any longer, right? Yeah. I mean, his is a really good question. Yeah. yeah I mean, counting reps is like, ultimately, what you want to do is take the muscle to absolute fatigue. Yes. Problem is, your mindset is different by the moment, right? right? What do you think? So, there are some days where you'll think you can, you know, 10 was all you could do, whereas other days... You did 18. So counting them is important. Uh, Keeping the same cadence. Yeah. See, what I see sometimes is people think they're getting stronger because the repetitions are getting faster, which is why he mentioned time under tension. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't like the term time under tension in respect to what we're doing with variable resistance because it's really time under variable tension. So the time under the heavier load actually counts more than the time when you're when you're bringing the bar back into a lighter loaded position so i tell people to keep a two second up two second down cadence and count the repetitions yeah now your your system has about i think what four different bands smaller to bigger and um are you like on your thickest band for all your stuff after all these years are you like the mother load of the bands oh, no, for everything no? i mean like when i'm doing uh you know let's say a shoulder press i'm certainly not doing that, using that the same band that i squat with yeah, yeah yeah so there is a fifth band it's optional um and i that one that one is basically for a guy like me six six feet tall um that's 550 pounds in a chest press whoa it's uh 600 pounds in a deadlift and uh because it's not doubled over it's about 400 pounds in a squat um i don't use that one for everything any longer because i'm really focused on slow and controlled slow and controlled so i'll still use that one for chest press um but i i will not use it for squats anymore because i'm, I'm really worried about getting the timing right the slower and slower more controlled control. you go, hmm. the more stabilization firing, 
the better your balance, the better your agility. I mean, I realize those are skills and not just raw strength, but they all do tend to progress together. The interesting thing about this system is Dr. Jaquish uh, mentioned that you go until you can't go any further, where the where the uh, um, the motions get smaller and smaller and smaller, right? Until you you just Diminishing range. Diminishing range, that. that's a fancy word, until you just can't go. What's the magic of just going till you just can't move? Till you just like... Because you fatigue every range of motion. Fatigue so every like range first, of motion. Um, first, I'm fatiguing where my capability is greatest. Then I'm fatiguing a more middle position where I still am firing a lot of muscle, but not quite as much. Uh, as the top where I'm handling a super high amount of weight. And then the last few repetitions are at the bottom of the range of motion where I'm weakest. So I'm still stimulating the growth there, Mm. but I've stimulated the entire musculature in all positions. You can never do that with a weight. Wow. You can't do it. Uh, Here's an email for you. Do do, do the 26% of the people who don't grow muscle grow them with X3? Yes. Good question. They do. Yeah. Their their inefficiency is is that they have just a very, very inefficient like like here's my pectoral. I'm touching my chest for those of who are listening. It's attached at the middle of my chest. That's where the origin of the pectoral is. The other side of the pectoral attaches on my humerus bone, my upper arm bone. Now, mine is just like everybody else's. It's, I have a terrible attachment point, just like 99% of the people. It's up by my shoulder joint. But some people have it towards their elbow, which means there's a lever inside their body where they have a mechanical advantage. And these are the people who start bench pressing, you know, let's say when they're in high school, and every time they do it, uh, they become much stronger. Um, are we going to get to see a picture of whatever y'all are talking about for the weightlift? Now we don't have it today, but we'll, we'll put the um, let's see, we'll, we'll put the 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 link to your website on our show page in our video, sure. and then people can go on there and and, and look at it and uh, do That's the X three. How long have you been selling the X three, promoting it? Uh, it's been a little over four years. Four years. As you, you still continue to grow? Oh, no, it's five, it's five years now, yeah. A word of mouth? Yeah, as I got my prototype about a year ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So I launched it as a product when I was 41, but I that first year it was just a prototype. So that was my 40th yeah. well, year I'm, on Earth. I'm curious, what would happen, and a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it, what would happen if you, uh, Dr. Jake, was just quit tomorrow? Okay, I don't think I can do this anymore for two months or three months. Would you just, all those little muscles, would they just go away? Yeah. Would they? they just go away? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Muscle metabolism is very use-driven. Interesting. Um, if you're not exercising, you're, you're probably in atrophy, which means shr- the shrinking of muscle. Um, really? it, it exists if you, if you need it, if you show the body you have a need for it. If you don't show the body you have a need for it, it will not stay there. It just won't stay there. It just won't stay. No. <laughs> Which is why having a workout routine that's very low risk is is super important. I see these guys doing these horribly dangerous lifts, and of course they're getting nothing out of it on top of that. 
and I'll say like, you know, wh- wh- where are you going to be in 10 years? And they look at me like they haven't even considered haven't that. Even thought about it. Yeah. Like, yeah, like I, you know, I can tell by the way you're lifting, you have chronic shoulder pain. So, you know, by the time tears come to your eyes when you have to put on your shirt in the morning, just because you have to reach back, okay. like you're going to quit and then you're never going to bench again. And then you're going to be smaller and weaker than, you know, a teenage girl. Like, yeah. is that really the future you want? Because what I'm doing, I'll be able to do till the day I die. Yeah. Like, I'll be 100-something years old. <laughs> and, and it's only take a few minutes. It's not like you got to go to the gym every day and go crazy. Right, right. I mean, that's yeah. a big deal, yeah. right? You need to spend hours at it. Well, if you think about training in general, it's only the last couple of repetitions that count anyway. Really? Hmm. So, yeah, the amount of time it takes the body to stimulate muscle growth is very short. A lot of people will add a lot of screwing around before those moments that count. Some of them are just trainers that want to sell a complicated program so that people don't think they can do it on their own. Hmm. Uh, but you can. And, I mean, hey, a trainer's really there to hold you accountable. The trainer's not there to mystify you with some <laughs> secret knowledge that they just made up last night. Right. We've been exploring this whole carnivore diet thing for six months. So we need animal foods to grow muscle, right? Correct. We just, we just do. It's part of the deal. Yeah, most plants are only about 9% usable by the body hmm. because we don't have intestines that are big enough to draw a lot of the nutrients out of plants. Hmm. So it goes right through us. How about eggs, in your opinion? Good food? Eggs are just like the best no yeah i've heard that yeah that yeah, yeah eggs eggs are um 48 usable by the body um the balance turns into nitrogen most meats fish poultry beef uh about 38 percent wow. and then like whey protein is only 18 percent yeah and plants are usually nine or lower that's usable Protein that'll build muscle. Right. Yeah. Oh. Right. So you take 100 grams of protein that's pea protein or broccoli protein, um, you may, you're only going to get nine grams of usable protein. How important so is like If fat- you try to get your protein ahead. from broccoli, you yeah. need to eat, I did the calculation, a guy my size, a 240 pound guy would need to eat something like 28 pounds of broccoli a day. <laughs> How important is fat, animal fat, into this whole butter, tallow, beef fat? We, we need we, we need quality fat. Yeah. Um, there is such a thing as an essential amino acid, an essential protein, right? Mm-hmm. An essential portion of a protein. There is such a thing as an essential fat. There's no such thing as an essential carbohydrate. I've heard that from different people. It's hard to imagine with everybody, you know, eating all this rice and quinoa and God, no, pasta and whatever, right? Pizza. Yeah. I mean, whoa. Yeah. Basically, the standard American diet is 70% carbohydrates. And it used, like in the 1950s, it was like 50%. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've, we're fatter and sicker than ever. Yeah, sir. So like going, like going, when I listen to vegans, it's just like, they're just headed in, in such uh, a direction of illness. V- veganism is going to go down in history, just like anorexia and bulimia. 
Really? Like anorexics and bulimics think they're healthy too. So just because they say they're healthy doesn't doesn't mean it. And most of the vegan speakers are they don't really understand the studies they're talking about. They're completely missing things like you know when I one of my favorite professors the other day was saying. Um, there's so many nutrition gurus, self-appointed, you know, experts who talk about insulin sensitivity as like the reason they do what they do. Insulin sensitivity is like a theory. It's like, it's just nonsense in a way. Now, what they should be talking about is what happens to your hemoglobin A1C score. Hmm. Because that's a hard number. We know what that is. That's real. Yeah, that's real. But like insulin sensitivity is just kind of like, you know, like how do you feel today? It's subjective. There's really no hard measure to it. (laughs) But, you know, you hear a lot of nutrition gurus saying that term all the time. And and it's like, like that's the thesis of their their statement. Whereas like, that's not even a thing. Hmm. So, yeah. Uh, no, we we need we we need people who actually understand what they're talking about. But then there's also the money problem, which is their the margins in the carbohydrate industry. Uh, like a box a box of Triscuits has a six hundred percent margin on it. Six hundred percent. Wow. Right. Whereas a steak has a twelve percent margin on it. Is that right? Wow. Interesting. Right. Yeah. It takes a lot more to create a steak than it does to create a Triscuit. No. Hmm. Um, before we go, just quickly, you're also not a fan of a running 20 miles and all that. If I, I haven't read your book yet, but are you interested in this idea of burst exercises to build fast, quick, boom? Yeah, and that's, that's what X3 is. And it's not really about being fast. It's about how joints degrade and repetitive movement is the worst thing for our joints um you know humans are good at sprinting humans are really bad at distance running like it's just not what we're designed for it's so damaging Hmm. on the joints and when you look at uh cardiovascular health now i'm talking about health not how far you can run how far you can run is not a metric of health Hmm. In, in fact, you know, like I weigh 240 pounds. So like, can I run a marathon? I mean, probably, but I'd be a bitch because I'm, <laughs> I'm heavy. <laughs> That's a lot right? of weight like, to I'm move a, 25 miles. Yeah. I mean, just the blood pumping through. Uh, and that's, that's sort of the myth of strength athletes have poor cardio. No, they don't. Strength training, there's a meta-analysis that shows this with, that considers over 100 studies in the analysis. Um people who do strength training have better cardiovascular health Hmm. than people who do endurance training. And that doesn't mean, and remember how far you can run is not a metric of health. So cardiovascular health would be the strength of the arteries. uh, uh, um, Right. Full echocardiogram. Yeah. The whole, the whole thing. Right. Like, like all the time I, I, I have a, I have a standard Western doctor uh, who I really, He's my general practitioner, mostly for amusement purposes, <laughs> because he's going to give me, you know, the AMA answer. Right, right, right. Not the 
carefully thought through and considered with research answer because I can come up with that on my own. So, you know, he, he, he does an, uh, an EKG on me and he says, my God, like you, you have incredible cardiovascular health. Do you run marathons? And I look at him like, how dumb are you? Like, no, man, I strength train. I've told you this a hundred times. Oh, <laughs> oh. Uh, you think all that cardiovascular health is from strength training? Yeah, I've sent you a few meta-analyses on the subject. Clearly, you did not read them. Hmm. You know, and it's just like, this guy's a friend of mine. I mean, we drink scotch together. Mostly because I beat up on him so bad. I got to bring him a bottle of scotch from time to time. <laughs> but it's just one of those things where standard western medicine is just not looking at the right things to make us healthier and frequently you know uh, here's another one i had an h pylori infection most people don't know what that is it's not common in the united states in fact i got it in north africa but this guy talked to me about this infection for years i we couldn't diagnose what it was and then finally i talked to uh, another physician who just looked at the way I was kind of sitting and moving and I was uncomfortable. He said, your stomach hurts. Yeah. You bloated. Yeah. All the time, 24 seven. I don't know. It started happening a couple years ago. He goes, you go to third world countries. Yeah. All the time you have H pylori. So, I mean, the guy just looked at me. Hmm. He's a physician, a different physician. So I went to back to my regular GP and you know, he's like, there's no way you have H pylori. He goes, he, this, this guy's from India. He goes, I, I'm from India. I would know if you had H. pylori. That happens. And I'm like, just can you just test me for it anyway? Sure enough, I had it. You know, I treated it and I'm fine now. So but, it's a, uh, some kind of bug. It's some kind of a something. Now. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's a stomach bacteria. Uh, it destroys the mucous membrane that protects your stomach. Uh, so then you get stomach ulcers and all oh, kinds of stuff. Oh, oh, it's right. bad. Well, I know you have to run. I'm taking you over time. Thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, just congratulations on your system, the X3. I talk about it a lot. Can you? I just want to ask you one question off the record a second. Could you hold on just one minute while we close the show? No problem. Stay right. Thank you. Uh, and let's uh, just give you your website. And it is uh, jquishbiomedical.com. Uh, jquishbiomedical.com. That's right. And you even got a little thing where you can, uh, people can uh, um, put it on uh, payments, right? Six months or something like that. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the, the product's very inexpensive. Yeah, it doesn't cost. As home gyms go. Yeah. Uh, it's $550. But, yeah, if somebody needs to do it on payments, we have that. Yeah, that's what I did. I did. I just said, okay, I'll do it on payment. I just wanted to get it. I didn't have 500 bucks sure. sitting around. All right, sir. You stay right there and I'll be right with you. Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. It is just the coolest thing ever. Um, I'm really excited about it. And, uh, you know, anybody, even, you know, can, I can do 15 minutes, and it doesn't hurt. So I will see you tomorrow. We're going to talk with uh, Dr. Dannenberg, and uh, uh, he'll be here at 10 o'clock, and it's all about um, eating like, his book is called Eating Like Your Life Depended on It. Depends on it, which kind of does. All right. We'll see you tomorrow, 10 o'clock. Thank you. I love you all very much. Good job. May the blessings be. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.